Welcome to episode 526 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Right, team, welcome along to episode 526 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Isles. How you going, mate? I'm sensational, Bevan. Sensational. Yeah. That's, that's for all the Aussie League supporters out there. That's yes. the old Aussie League commentator back in the day. Ray, Robert Warren's in there. Mm-hmm. Robert Warren's, yeah. He's a good commentator, he is. He is. Yeah, he's probably one of the best. Great. Who's your favourite commentator? Who don't you like? Oh, far out, Russell Sprout. I tell you. Here we go. See, see there is someone. Tour de France has been fantastic. Yep. Phil Liggett, I would say, would go down as probably probably my favourite voice in sport. Why? What, what's he got? I, I don't know. When he gets excited, he just gets on a roll and he's fantastic. Yep. But unfortunately, Phil and Paul are past it in terms of... Oh, really? We, we get, for, for, for our Tour de France coverage, what happens is, and Kiwis who listen to this and Aussies may get the same as well, we have uh, Matt Keenan and Robbie McEwen. Robbie okay. McEwen's a former, I think he maybe won 11 stages of the Tour. So they, they, yeah, so they do a lot of the commentary up until sort of two hours to go in the race, and then oh, it kind of switches over to Paul Shue, and you're like, okay. and Robbie McEwen's fantastic, I love it. He gives really, really good insight. And then it switches over to Paul Shue and and, um, and Liggett. Liggett for the last two hours. And you're like, ah, oh, they're really good, but they don't give you the same insight. So is it just that they're too aged? Is it? Yeah. Because I remember a few years ago they had the Oscars, and it was the year that Eddie Murphy was meant to do it. And Billy Crystal, and for some reason something happened, he didn't end up doing it. And Billy Crystal came on. And you know, in his day, Billy Crystal was the man. Mm. I think he's done 10 Oscars or nine Oscars. But he was then an old man, and it just mm. kind of was a bit yesterday, if you know what I mean, and it kind mm. of lacked a bit of edge, um, and you feel that's the case. Yeah, well, they just don't know the riders as well. They don't know current tactics. Well, it's not that they're crap yeah. at all. It's just the other guys are better. And when I watch the Eurosport coverage as well, those guys are better. So, I, But I, I, having said that, I think they're great, and Phil Liggett is my favorite, probably my favourite voice of all time. Mm. It is interesting how things move on in time. Anyway, I Am Talk is proudly brought to you by... Athlinks.com. Social networking for endurance athletes. Extreme endurance. Your lactic buffer. And our patrons. And let's name a few, Jumbo. Kai Longboard McBride. Longboard, that's very cool. Uh, we've got Paul Silky Smooth Williams. Christina steaming up the room. Umped. You can say the next one. Pavel the Wild Wrestler. <laughs> Chalices. <laughs> that's a good one. Marissa Dirty Little Rascal. And we're going to say Rascal. Restetta. 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 Yep. There we go. Restetta. Okay, guys, on this week's show, we've got some news. We've got, have we got an age group of the week? Yes. We've got an age group of the week. We've got statistic. We've got a My First Try. You've also got a little coach's corner in there? Oh, I have too, yes. Yes, I did my show. I, I, was clutching for, I was clutching for info. Were you? Yeah, I was going, we haven't got much there this week. I, was like, yeah, I did notice you pulled out something. Yeah, like, yeah, okay. Yep, tip of the week even. Even tip of the week. That's a new thing, isn't it? I don't well, think. yeah, and this got prompted from, from Epic Camp uh, France. There we go. Uh, and some well, one question at the end. Uh, Jumbo, we have some results from this weekend. And I have to say, I'm in Switzerland. We were talking about Reef. She'd done, wrote, was only the third fastest time of all time, I think it was, or fourth yes. fastest time of all time last weekend. We said, is she going to turn up and just tick the box? And in some ways, we kind of like the idea of that happening because we were going to interested to see what WC would 
TC would do. Well, she, she's not a she chose, she chose not to take the box. She took out the course record as well. I know. Absolutely smoked it. So just give us some perspective. Ronnie Shieldnick, he he's going to go down as one of those great athletes that hasn't really done anything in Kona. So a bit like What's Cam- best in Kona? Do, well, he's got he's, some top he's, tens. He's had some top tens. Because Cam Brown's done 10 Taupos or 11 now, isn't it? Yeah, something like that. But he has had podiums in Kona. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, like he never yeah. won Kona. He had about three, three or so podiums. Yeah, I think. he got a second, second and two thirds. I think. Yep. Yeah. So, so Cam Brown got to that kind of next level. Didn't mm. quite get there, and never mm. really looked like he was going to win Kona. No. But, you know, he's probably a little bit ahead of Shilnick. Yes, absolutely. No, yeah. but Shilnick, fantastic. How many times he's won this race? Nine. It's nine now. Uh, swam fifty-five. I, I had the live coverage up, and uh, it was a non-wetsuit swim. For the for the pro athletes, thankfully we didn't have any. Well, we not that I know of didn't have any uh, issues in the swim being the athletes freezing and, and DNFing, but rode a four thirty one and then ran a two forty seven. Two forty seven is moving. It's nice work. Eight seventeen, pretty comfortable victory over Timo Bracht, who was eight twenty four, and, and Jan van Berkel Berk- in third and. 8 to 29. The reason I kind of wanted to start with the, go- the guys, even though it should really be about Daniela Reef and the girls' race, he, so he did 8.17, which is, you know, solid time. Wasn't a course record or anything. Daniela Reef, 8.51. You know, mm. normally we often say it's that sort of 50 to 60 minute difference between the guys and the girls. And if we'd had a, you know, third tier guy winning it, but you'd put Timo, Bra- um, Timo Bracht and, uh, and Ronnie and they're not as Kona contenders but certainly as, yeah. as first Top tier athletes yeah. uh, and for, them, for, for Daniela Reef to be that close one week after Rote is, uh, is pretty impressive and especially at bike time so she swam, her swam was comparable with a lot of those guys she swam 53 and most of the guys are only swimming 52, 53 or 55 for quite a lot of them well, so she out swam Sheer- a lot of them we've got fourth say that last name John Shayera yeah. yeah, she she basically is the fastest female swimmer in the sport, and Reef stayed with her, so you know she was just a great swimmer based on Thorsten's kind of what he was saying about her, her swimming ability. Yeah, so you know like it's pretty pretty impressive swim by her, isn't it? Yeah, and then Daniela Reef rode four forty six versus the top guys who are riding um, four thirty one, four thirty three. Uh, looks like the fastest or the, was the fastest bike time, and I think a new bike course record was uh, Roman Dissendorfer. From Germany in 4:26, so she rode 4:46. No, no, the girls went under five hours, and then rounded it off with a 3:07 marathon for 8:50, 8:51. Very impressive. So I think a couple of things I'm curious about because Daniela Reef's really kind of. It's interesting. She's kind of got got getting to a level as an athlete where she's getting outside of the sport. So for example, over Christmas time, I was over, and I know I know she's sponsored by Red Bull, but mm. I was over in Queenstown and the, you know, Riga Bill magazine they put out there and her name was in, you know, with all these other sports stars, you know, mm. no other triathlete was ever mentioned in the magazine. She's kind of transcending triathlon to that next level of awareness within sport um, because of her success. I'm kind of curious, for those people in Switzerland, how big of a star is Shilnick? Mm. You know, because he's won this... Like in New Zealand, Cam Brown's a bit of a household name, really, isn't mm. he? You know, most people will know who Cam Brown is. Mm. Um, I wonder if Shilnick has that level of exposure in Switzerland where he's run this race nine times. Yeah. You know, so maybe if any of our Switzerland listeners could let us know. Well, I certainly think Daniela Reif would be. Yeah. Um, and I remember talking to Peter Mills, who's actually over there in race in Switzerland the weekend as well. And it's in the 54 to 50 to 54 age group, and the slot 
a kind of slot or slots rolled all the way down he, he was 10th or 11th and it rolled down to 11th and he didn't go there but he couldn't take his slot uh, mm. so it's one of those things sometimes wow. I haven't heard of slots rolling like that for quite a while I'd imagine there was probably maybe four slots or something like that and rolling to 11th was uh, was interesting uh, so he qualified because you know nowadays you think the, the golden ticket you mm. know back in the old days you could kind of get away with that, but nowadays it's pretty rare. Well, it's often a case of, you know, a few people have already qualified, yeah, will turn it down, year. all of a sudden, people who get sort of eighth and ninth don't bother turning up, they think they've missed it, if there's like three slots, and uh, yeah, but he couldn't go because of work reasons, so, but he still can potentially, now, well, now he can now call himself a Kona qualifier, even though not going. Um, but as I was saying, he was saying that, what I found really interesting, was Bridget McMahon, who won the, First gold medal in triathlon for Switzerland, and then got in Sydney. In Sydney, and then got busted for EPO. Ne- never did e- anything else in the sport, hardly. But she didn't get busted from the Olympics. It was a year later yeah, or something. It was, wasn't it, it was it was a little while later. Yeah. Uh, she, Kaylee Jones got second, didn't she? Yes. Yeah. But she's apparently a rock star over there these days. Oh really? Like, really? <laughs> wow. <laughs> been all has been forgiven. It's like, that seems very odd. Wow. Like, that would never happen in New Zealand. You would be spat at as well, you go down. Well, that's not necessarily true because who's that marathon runner? Um, Galvin, who was oh, she always in Christchurch. Yeah, but everybody hates her. Oh, I don't think um, general public. Oh, there was a, yeah, a lot of people have, uh, yeah, I think general public, but in athletic circles, it's very looked down. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, yeah. Swanee and uh, Craig Kirkwood, they'll get fired up. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. No, they're not happy. In, in the hardcore athletics, they're not happy about her getting lots of exposure and yeah. getting appearance fees and all that sort of stuff. When, I mean, you look at it two sides. She's okay, done, so what she's do you done think the about crime. the Olympics right now? Uh, seems like a, you know, I think it seems like a kind of fair enough call when you've got to prove your innocence. Um, rather than saying uh, you can all go, and if you haven't been busted, it's more you've got to prove your innocence. So if you, I watched the article on the news last night, and, and it's not a complete cop out. Like some people just go, oh, "It's a cop out." They're letting them all come. It's like no, they have to prove their innocence. It's just unfortunate that it's eleven days or whatever it is till the games, and for the national federation, uh, the international sports federations to sort their crap out is going to be tricky. Hmm. It does seem like they passed the buck. Hmm. Yeah. I think it was, yeah. Either way, it was a tough decision. Mm-hmm. Well, I thought you'd be quite anti, but no. I was trying to get you fired up a bit no. there, and you've come in all calm and relaxed. What's all the John Newsom's changing <laughs> team? He's changing. So, Switzerland, well done, everybody raced in Switzerland. A few more people. Wait, we're seeing second place for the girls? A second place, yeah, second place, uh, who was how far behind? Uh, 9.21, so 30 minutes. So, that is complete dojo. That domination. is the domination of dojo officially. Emma Bellin from Switzerland in second, and then Michela. Herbauer from Austria in third and ninth. So it was quite close racing between uh, second through to sort of about tenth. Well, the the funny thing was the, the um, Natasha Bateman got Alicia Gods. Uh, I'm going to say Godskay. Oh, one second. One second, she got sprinted on the line oh. because she must have been in front because she had a, a faster bike and was you know only a couple of minutes behind the swim. So she was in front yeah. and must have got pipped on the line for, oh. for eighth. So. We're picking her to potentially win it without uh, See, Danielle Reeves. Surely Batman's a rock star. In oh, I, I, I yeah. would assume so. Yeah, surely. 
Um, okay, so that was Ironman Switzerland. Okay, so next race we had lots of races. We had the, the races where they had the pro race for the guys at Whistler in Canada, and then we had Lake Placid for the girls. For, so there were no pro race in the females in Whistler and no pro race for the males in Lake Placid. And Andy Potts, strong run, strong day. Strong day. I've got to give WTC a bit of credit here in terms of having these separate races there's pros and cons to it both ways in terms of yeah it'd be really nice to have a big pro men's field and women's field at the same race lots of prize money etc but when we look at Ironman Switzerland that we've just been talking about Ronnie Shilnick took home $10,000 Annie Potts taking home $20,000 second place is taking home $10,000 and they also had some um Prems, yeah, yeah, of course. So he, you know, he probably got took maybe twenty three thousand. Yeah, and sa- same for same for the females. Um, so yeah, I think it's probably it is a good idea to be rewarding the the, the sort of higher end pros rather than having two mediocre fields getting hmm. ten thousand. So um, I'm interested in you know because we yeah. talked a while ago about how they had a few they've had a couple of races now where there's no pros, and it did lose something. Mm. So when there is just one aspect of pros there. Do, you, do we feel that's losing something where it still is like a normal race? Mm. So that's what we need feedback from you guys who are racing in Canada and Lake Placid, especially the guys that are racing in Lake Placid, whereas last year there was, I'm pretty sure there was no pros at all. What's the difference like being from last year to this year? Um, has, it, has it helped having the female-only pros there? I've got to, well, when we get on to Placid, but I will say that Heather Jackson, who was first... Female pro, I think, was second overall. I think there was one age grouper that managed to beat her. Oh, really? Okay. She was on fire. We'll go into that in a moment. But in terms of Placid, yes, it was Andy Potts' uh, complete dojo. No, not a complete dojo domination, but really uh, crushed it and didn't have to put himself under too much pressure on the run. Mm, apparently, Sw- kind of held off on the run. Mm, Still up three, but... Swam 47, ran road 4.31 versus mo- none of the other guys going under 4.40. So he had a gigantic lead heading into the run, ran 2.58 for an 8.20.23. Wasn't a course record. But they sure as hell had better conditions than what they did last year when it was uh, an ice box out there and they were all having uh, jackets and, and freezing, whereas this year it looked like pretty pretty nice conditions. I've got to say, Potts has had a pretty good 18 months. He's, 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 he must be getting on. Is, yeah, but he's consistently oh, yeah. good. Yeah. You know, like cause he had a great cone last year and mm. the year before. He's had two good coners in a row, hasn't he? I, I seem to yeah, recall. Yeah, he's, he's pretty consistent in Kona. Yeah. And then... Um, and he's kind of just pretty much won everything we've seen him in through. Mm. Now this is just me kind of recalling, but in the last period of time, he's just he's just winning, isn't he? Yeah, you no, know he's doing really well. He's yeah. With with when you've got guys like Keenlay and I um, see how old he is. I I'm, I'd be picking he's thirty eight ish. I'd be picking. Um, he's been around for a long time. He went to. John, you weren't close. Or you were close. 39. 39. It doesn't surprise me because I was about to say, he, he was around Bevan Doherty's time. Yep. Bevan Doherty's 39 this year. Yeah. We um, made him be 40 this year, Bevan. I think he was a year behind me. Uh, so anyway, Andy Potts. I don't think he can't win Kona. Probably not. He'd have to have a couple of guys to Keenlay and Fredino to bomb out. I mean, those two are sort of a good well, rung Fredino's above everybody else. Kind of but word, he? yeah, Andy Potts certainly... Right up there in the next level of contenders. Pedro Gomez was second in 8.27. Trevor Wirtle third in 8.30. Justin Deere and Mike Aragos. So, yeah, it was a, uh, you know. Potts is a nice guy too. Yeah. Like, you know, he's a genuine nice guy. You know, every time we've ever spoke to him and when you ever see him in Kona and stuff, he's just a good man. So, and it's I, cool. Yeah, I just look at that. Torsten on try rating just has the prize money listed there and I'm just thinking it's a hell of a lot better for those guys than... As I said, two ten thousand dollar races and having you know 
weaker fields at, at two different races. So what happened with Millwood? Because he was doing pretty strong on the bike. Count Cullen was sit, sitting in second, uh, second or third. It's um, dropped away on the DNF. Yeah, so that's going to be. We'll talk about the Kona, Kona ratings before, but he's right on the verge of oh, getting really? in that first. He needed really needed a result because this weekend so. confirmed a few different people. So if we go to Switzerland, mm. um, where's he going to go over here? Switzerland is is there. So in Switzerland, on the male side of things, it confirmed Rory Shilnick, Timo Brack. Jan Van Berkel, David, please for the July slots. And on the girls side, it confirmed. Wait a second, have we got the kind of qualifications for the girls? Um, Emma, oh, obviously, Reef's there, but also Emma Bilham and Adin, Adrian, maybe? Monticelli as well. So they all qualified through that race. And then in Canada, I'm in Canada, the, the people who got to qualify were Potts, Pedro Gomez, Trevor Wirtle. Um, and then we'll talk about Lake Placid now. So Lake Placid, what happened, Jombo? How is this for a dojo domination? Heather Jackson, nine oh nine forty two, and that that was a new course record. I didn't realise it was quite this big. Uh, Anna Watkinson from South Africa, nine forty five. Whoa! Alicia Kay was Why in is the third place. Side, Joe? John, Joe, uh, that's a good question. In Lake Placid. I'm not sure if the girls... Alicia Kay did a 54, so maybe they're just slow swimmers. Um, yeah, I'm not quite sure. I know it was going to be borderline whether it was wetsuits or non-wetsuits because I had some guys racing there, so I'm, I'm not sure if it was a non-wetsuit swim for there. But judging by those times, you'd kind of hope that it was because, yeah, not not very impressive sometimes. She had a massive day. She she broke the course record previously held by Heather Wirtle by 10 minutes. mm that's no, a massive she was, she was, uh, And it was pretty. It sounded like it was pretty toasty out there on the run. So she swam an hour, especially when you break a course record swimming an hour. Uh, yeah, true. Yeah. R- rode 4.57, and that's where she absolutely crushed it, and then ran 3.07 for a 9.09.42. So, you know, she's, a, she's been a fantastic 70.3 athlete, and, yeah, hopefully make another step up. She had a good Kona last year from memory, but hopefully she'll, uh, you know, she's got the potential to make that next step up, I think, and certainly be a, be, a, be on the podium. Maybe, maybe you, f- you find the Kona results from last year and, and figure out where she finished, because I do recall her having a good race on debut last year. So complete smash fest over there um, by Heather Jackson. And then we also had an email in this morning from, well, not an email, a quick little note in from... Richard Hargraves, I don't know if you were going to mention it on this week's show, but at the weekend we saw Challenge Poznan in Poland, which also doubled as ETU European Triathlon Union Age Group Championships. It was the fourth Poznan triathlon, but the first year running an Ironman distance. It was a great event, really well run, with fantastic support all day. The swim was unintentionally short, around 3k, not sure why. Bike was flat and fast on great road surfaces, and the run was loops in the old town, including a cobbled stretch. Refreshingly, as well, the people travelling to the race there were lots of Polish competitors and the town really got behind it it was also the first race I've been at where beer was practically the only drink available <laughs> in the finishing area my partner and I had a great day both going under 10 hours uh, 9.32 for me and 9.41 for her lucky you didn't get checked by your partner there uh, Richard and yeah, she uh, had a great race I had yeah. a sensational time so it, guys if you do non- WTC races that we may occasionally, well no, we often miss in the results section and uh, you want to share a bit of information about them. I love promoting you know, some of these smaller races, um, especially when they're championship races. On the elite side of things, uh, we had, oh this is going to be a challenge for me, I oh, know that's a team, no it's not, uh, 
Dennis Sketako take it out in nice. 7.56. Great time. Obviously, the swim was a little bit short, so he swam 43, biked 4.21 and rode two, and, and ran 2.48, and he took it out by oh, close race, only 16 seconds or so from Sergio Marquez, who we often see out there racing in 7.57, and Dirk... Wijnalda from uh, the Netherlands and 7.58. So three guys going under eight hours. Obviously the swim was probably not massively short. Probably, you know, those guys are swimming 43, 42. So <clears throat> depends on what sort of level swimmers they are, but maybe five or so minutes short. But uh, good racing. And then on the, the girls' side of things, thankfully I can read Polish, uh, was first girl, 9.02, Iwa from Poland, um, Simona oh, Simona was second from the Czech Republic in 9.06 and 9.10 was, oh that's a nice one, Anne Jensen from Denmark. Nice times. So it's just really interesting if you go back and look at last year's top 10 females in Kona, it, it, you wouldn't have picked it. It's a really interesting top 10. You know, if we think of the traditional names we're going to see there, now Reef took it out yes. and Joycey was yes. second. So th those two are people you'd expect. But like some of the other names, Michelle Vesterberg got fourth last year. I forgot yeah. about that. It's a great yeah. race from her. Heather Jackson was fifth. Liz yeah. Blatch Blatchford was third. Uh, Susie Cheatham was sixth. Sarah hmm, Pamplano. Pampiano, yep. yeah. Pampiano. Uh, she was seventh. Camilla Pearson, Peterson was mm. eighth. And Stefan was ninth, and Lucy Gosses was 10th. Mm. So Heather Jackson actually had a great cone last year in mm. fifth place. On debut, too. Yeah, so, and really, you know, there was pretty close racing cone last year for that top 10. You know, there was only really, if you took Reef out of it, between, there was only really 10 minutes between 4th and 10th, so. so in so many sports, that's the case, isn't it? You take that top person out, you take Chris Room out of the Tour de France, it was bloody close racing. It was very so exciting. So what happened in the end? He just got yeah, it no, easy? He just crushed it. He was completely dominant. Yeah. Uh, in, in all facets, it was very impressive. Really? Yeah. No, good not, team it was going, well, going, going uphill, going downhill, on the flat, everything, and, and just a crushing team. So it was uh, very Lance Armstrong-like in terms of absolutely crushing it. And mm -hmm. the team domination was, was pretty impressive. The go. Outlaw Triathlon was also on at the weekend. So Chris Walker took that out in 8.58. Always good to see um, sub-9s there. Joe Beach was second in 9.13 and Dean Edwards was third in 9.16 on the girls' side of things. Um, by the look of it, we had a course record and that was... Alison Wilson took it out in 9.45 and the dojo domination officially over Sarah Fairfax in 10.16 and Heather and a Helen Jones in 10.58. So the previous course record there was 9 hours 50, so she beat it by 5 minutes. So nice work for all you outlaw athletes. The outlaw love, athletes. Love it that we've still got some non-WTC races and non-challenge branded races out there, which is great. Yeah, and the outlaw, you know, does a great job. They get big numbers. It's a mm. big, you know, it's an iron distance race that actually has the, the big race feel that delivers so good work, good work and it was only half but I just wanted to plug Challenge Iceland um, good good field there had Heather Wordle take it out from Radka Rad Vitakova and Hayley Chura in third place and then Kevin Collington took out the guys from Guilo Molinari and Justin Metzler Tim Don only managed third there maybe something went on um, I did have a guy racing over there as well and it looked like it was fairly fresh 
a little bit of drizzle, but geez, the pictures, they, a couple of pictures they put on slow twitch, and that was really why I wanted to highlight it's it. Amazing. Looked amazing. Yeah. The swim, I don't think I've ever seen a better triathlon picture. It's in this lake, and it's just got a couple of swimmers going past, and there's this amazing reflection. Uh, it just, just looks awesome. So if you want to go for a unique race somewhere, it does sound like it's pretty chilly in the swim. You can get yourself one of those Blue 70 thermal helixes <laughs> to keep yourself warm. Um, but the bike course, uh, it's got a little bit of snow they're riding through some climbs with snow off to the side uh, it was a challenging day at the office and would just sounds like it's gonna be a really cool place to go so challenge iceland you could do the viking the viking chant whatever remember the soccer team no oh the, the euros the soccer yeah, team did really iceland, well and yeah. at the end they, the viking chant and right it was this big thing and even other t sports teams started copying it yeah um okay jombo well i gotta say uh if i look at the show notes what we've got here is one piece of news that's been announced that wtc have announced that the memorial human ironman texas triathlon will be returned to the woodlands in 2017 to be designated as the ironman north american championship for the third consecutive year in addition the event will take place on april the 27th uh, 22nd in 2017 shifting from its traditional date of mid-may now we think that, oh, at least i'm pretty sure you agree this is a good thing uh, it's good as pros and cons <laughs> oh so i think it's a good thing because it's it's a better time to have a championship race but then we fall into this trap where we go you're going to have all your championship races pretty pretty close together so you have uh, south africa you know the, the african championship will be usually uh, at the start of april or around about that in south africa um i suppose in this asia pacific is now june. is now june um but uh and there was one other one south american will be similar timing so I don't think there's any any way around that in terms of it's not like golf where you can spread your championships through the year because you've got Kona in there. So I think the pluses for this is it'll be probably be a little bit cooler. You know, um, Texas is crazy hot um, most of the year, but hopefully it'll be a little bit cooler at that st stage of the year. Um, <clears throat> and hopefully, yeah, it might. So it what do you think do it? Um, probably the, the temperature side of things, and I, because I know they had issues with the the, the swim this year, it was a bit borderline in terms of the quality of the water and maybe by having it a little bit earlier the lake may not have warmed up slightly there may be a whole host of reasons but I guess the main thing would be hopefully they get that bike course sorted out this year and may, maybe that they don't have the same potential thunderstorms at, a little bit earlier in the season as well I'm not sure if that was part of the decision um, so yeah I think there's plenty of pluses and hopefully it might draw out a slightly stronger um, do you think, do field? We think that one of the problems we have right now and this is going to sound a bit kind of <laughs> hypocritical that we've almost got too many championship races now mm. you know like uh, like when the first brought championship they had melbourne yep. germany kona and was there in the north american now the north american was too late it was yep. always kind of closer to august wasn't it so yep. in the first year they brought out those championship races we see we saw pretty stellar fields in all of those races melbourne mm. was drawing a massively strong field germany was traditionally going to anyway the american race was a bit lacking but it was timing of the year mm. And we were pretty excited about the kind of racing we were seeing at those races, particularly Melbourne because mm. Germany. And if they could have done that American race kind of around April, I don't know. Like it's, the championship race isn't, it's, it's no. not those stellar fields, are they? It's, it's good fields. And it's good for pros because mm. there's now five or six races where they can earn more money, which I'm not complaining about. But I kind of think I want to see close to Kona kind of races. Probably only three. You could probably only really get three and maybe say a March, a May and a and then Germany in July. But I don't think so. yeah, I don't think it needs yeah, exactly. Because yes, because if you've got an Australasia, 
an American and a European. Screw the rest of the world. <laughs> well, that's kind of the main. That's the sport, yeah. really, isn't it? Yeah. So if, if if we look at that, and we kind of say those three areas, you, you know, the top. You, if you can get all the top people in those areas in those different races, they're going to be pretty stellar fields, and there won't be much crossover. But it no. won't matter because you'll still get strong. Yeah, but I think yeah, at the end of the day, money will talk, and, and whether or not they can have some rotational system where you go. You know, we're going to have three big races outside of Kona each year, and maybe there's ends up being six regions, and and one year you get the yeah the, the premier sort of um, money, and then the second year you get the the sort of second tier. So, yeah, it's um it's just it's a pity because that that first year I remember when they first brought out like Melbourne, and, and you know I was like, man, this is it, they've mm. got it right. Mm. And since then, you know, since that first couple of years where they brought out the championship races, we're not seeing the stellar fields. It, no. you know, other than Germany. You know, and we want more Germanys. We want more of those races. Like, you know, Cairns wasn't really a championship field. They are still strong. Good fields, but not, there's, not. there's lots of pros to it. They are stronger fields than what we would have got otherwise. It is better money for the pros, but it's just not quite that ten, you know, five or ten top, top pros yeah. there, um, which we did see in Melbourne, which was which was great. Mm, so, you know, good to see that they're kind of progressing with this, but I think maybe some tweaks could be done to make it more exciting. Uh, Challenge wrote sales out within seconds, John. Yeah, so I had a number of people emailing me and saying, yeah, we tried to get in there and I thought I was on time and 30, within 30 seconds it was gone. So Challenge wrote, still really popular. We often talk about so many races now these days not necessarily selling out that they have in the past, but Challenge wrote still, uh, it's like that golden ticket. So it's, it's tough to get I've into. Got a golden ticket. Um, we're still working on the camp. Hopefully, I'll confirm it this week. Um, and I'm pretty confident it's all going to happen, and we'll have slots of the camp. So, if you want to go to Rote, get in touch, and uh, hopefully, I'll have that confirmed. Hopefully, this week, if not next and, week. And you are saying that if it does go ahead, it's highly likely that we'll have slots. We, we to will, the race no, we as will. Well. Ha- we will have slots. I've uh, just got to get a few other things over the line. And uh, so, if you missed out and you want to come on an awesome camp, it's going to be sort of eight, eight or nine days long. And we'll do a bit of ticky touring around, and uh, you'll get the full, the full experience. Plus, Bevan will be there. That's got to be sells it, John. Yeah, that's the selling point. Do your kids like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory? They've watched it. Yeah, Do they love it. Uh, I wouldn't say they loved it. No. What's their favourite movies right now? Uh, Tom's anything related to soccer and movies st- wise? Uh, not movies wise, but if if he can watch anything, it'll be soccer or Star Wars Rebels. Oh really? Yeah. What about Felicity? They're not big on movies. She's more sort of into those teen type Disney Channel things, but oh, yeah. yeah, they're not they're not OTT on on movies or Nemo or anything like that. Yeah. There you go. Okay. Um, I just love I love Charlie Shot Factory. Mm. That makes me cry, John. Great. Yeah, because when you get when it's his birthday, yeah. and he gets given a chocolate and he wants it to be the golden ticket and it doesn't get the golden ticket and the yeah. first thing he thinks of is sharing a chocolate with his family. Mm. Okay. Oh, John. I just about break down and then he goes down the street and the old guy gives him the golden ticket. Yeah. yeah. Oh, there's so many lessons, John. Gosh. So many lessons. <laughs> okay, John, coming up this weekend, Iron Man, Vine Man. It is Iron Man, Vine Man this year. And the, in terms it's of the, the profile. It's actually Iron Man because they've always had the 70.3. Vine Man, but they've yes. done the I'm distance race by themselves, mm-hmm. but now they've crossed over. So we have, yep, uh, Richie Cunningham is going to be there, Kyle Buckingham, Pedro Gomez, although he raced uh, last weekend. Uh, so, you know, good good size, uh, no, about 20, 20 pros, which is a lot more than what they would have had previously at Vine Man. Got Guy Crawford's turning up there, so a, a lot of these races now you're going to start to see, you know, your second tier guys coming through, Kona slot Kona guys are tick, their, tick the box and they're getting ready for Kona. That's not to say that 
you're not going to get some really good racing, um, but you're probably not going to see a lot of the, the super big hitters. That being said, on the girls' side of things, the number of names here that we're mm. not sure if they're going to turn up are uh, Heather Jackson. Apparently Mary, Mary Beth Alice is on the start list for Netherlands as well, and she's probably over there. Sarah Pampiano, and as we just heard from Bevan, she was sort of top 10 in, in Kona, um, and Amanda Stevens, one of the fastest swimmers around. So hopefully we'll see some good yeah, good, racing at, at good racing out there. Richie Cunningham's predicted by Torsten on try rating as a 49% chance of winning with Kyle Buckingham ranked second. Uh, so I think the interesting thing for me with Vineman this year, and this is no surprise, is last year um, I, I had a quick look on Athlinks and it looked like they only maybe had a couple of hundred people finish. Yeah, maybe up to 400, I think it was. Yeah. Whereas this year, I had a look at the start list, and there's 82 pages on Ironman. Now, yeah. that doesn't mean there's 8,000 athletes or anything like that. I think they were aiming for 2,500, but it's just the power but of the brand. Yeah. You go from a couple of hundred to 2,500. I mean, the race is the same. It will be a slightly, it will be a different experience. You know, there'll be a lot more people around, but a bit of a sad state of affairs, really. Is it or is it the market? I, I think it's great for Vineman. The race survives. It will be, you know, a fantastic buzz for the for the region. Lots of athletes there. So they sell the race. Go. I wonder what happened there. Or do those the people who own the original Vineman still they used to listen to the show. I wonder if you yeah. if they're still listening to the show, let us know. We'd love to know what kinda of happened on that front. Hmm. Hmm. Um Ironman Netherlands is also coming up. Yes, and last year we had Devon van Vlerken and Bas Diederen take that race out, and Bas Diederen's coming back to try to defend the title, and he's ranked number one ahead of Marcus Fuckbar, Mark Oud-Benerick, and Igor Amirelier. So good number of pros there. We've got about 25 pros lined up. On the girls' side of things, Danielle Reef is listed, but she clearly won't be racing. Apparently Mary Beth Ellis is racing. Tina Dickers and a bunch of others. So Jeff Danner Reef race that as well, but oh. three weeks in a row. That would be impressive. Because she has got the world record for the closest time to win two Ironmen now, mm-hmm. iron distance races, so she could go for three in a row. She'd probably do it too. Though. She probably would. Yeah. I think it would be detrimental to her Kona. I'm not saying she wouldn't then go on to win Kona, no. but you have to start think this going start thinking that there would be there is a, a cost a point at some stage where it's gonna uh, gonna come back to bite. Just got a big shout out to Paula Green. I know she's racing this race and it's a big race for her. It's a big kind of key. She's doing fifty races this year, mm-hmm. turning fifty, doing fifty races, which I'm pretty impressed with. And uh, this is one of the key events for her. So go Paula Green. Nice. Outside of um, WTC races. Good old k226.com. So if you ever want to find a non-branded or non-WTC race, go check it out. And there was an interesting one in there that I saw this week. Uh, so we've got the Extreme Man in Hungary going along. That's been around for a long time. Berlin Triathlon XL and then the X-Man in the Exmoor National Park. Had a quick look at that one. It looks like a pretty funky race going through this big national park. Beautiful swim. Just really out there race. So you poms. Oh, you've got so much choice out there. Okay, Jombo. So it's getting to that time of year where we start to look at the KPR ratings, and uh, because at the end of July they get the first, is it 35 for the men? It's the 24th of July this time around. I think in the past it might have been the 31st, but this year it's the 20, okay, so 24th. We're pretty much crossing over, or we've already crossed over. So you, you 40 on the guys' side of things, and, and then, then 28 on the girls' side. And there's 35 altogether, isn't there? 35 for the girls, 50 for the boys. Yeah. We haven't heard much about 50 50 this year, have we? Not yet. Away they'll, they'll, that, no, it? they'll crank it up. They'll crank it up come kind of time. Yeah, they'll, they'll be cranking up about now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it's just not as a bigger topic. Anyway, um, Jombo, so yeah, what, what are the surprises at this point? 
uh, it's not really, you know, again, when I look down this list, there's not people that aren't in the top 28 or the top 40, there's not really many contenders. Who's Patrick Lang? I don't know. Um, the, the only one I'd say on the girls' side of things who's currently ranked uh, 29th, and the cool thing with Torsten, what he does is he doesn't include the automatic qualifiers in the list. So if you look down in, in number 28, that person might not necessarily be the 28th person on the list because you've got a bunch of automatic qualifiers. So yep. in the, the girls' side of things, you've got Daniela Reef, you've got Julia Geiger, you've got Elizabeth Lyles and Kaiser Littentonen, um, all automatic qualifiers, so it rolls down a little bit further. So the last qualifier on the girls side of things based off Torsten's predictions is uh, Beth Gerds who's in 28th uh, and the one that misses out is Carrie Lester and she may be trying to validate she may not go um, who knows but she had that great race and wrote so that may have been her big focus so she's probably the only one you know at the very end of that list in terms of contenders Um, and on the guys side of things you know most of the guys you'd expect to be there are are there, you know, Callum Millwood is one that we all know about that's right on the bubble. He's currently sitting in 42 on Torsten's ratings and he won't get it. So, what that means is there may well be a few people above Callum that don't want to go to Kona and they don't take the slot. So, yep. it, may, it may end up rolling down. But currently uh, ranked number one is Jan Fredino. No surprises there. Sebastian Keenlay and Brent McMahon are your I top wonder, three. I have a question for you. What's the highest points any pro's got in a year? I know it's probably early days, this question for Thorsten, but, you know, like, Jan Fredino is currently at 13,350 points. Now, he did wrote, which probably meant to you, if he'd done Germany, he'd have more points. But I wonder what any year, uh, uh, any pro's got is the most amount of KPR points in a season. Yeah. He did, he did Lanzarote, didn't he? That's where he would have validated yeah. I was trying Whereas to think. if he'd done Germany, did. he would have got more points because of the championship race. Absolutely. Yeah. So, like, I assume he'll be going off and doing... 70.3 worlds as well so that would be your golden ticket if you manage to to do well at 70.3 worlds win Kona and win, win Germany. Germany then I think you'd be uh, home you, and you really can't beat that so can Daniela you? Reef will have to be um, no she didn't win Germany this year no yes so yeah, good question. Torsten, I'm sure we'll have the answers for us. So if you want to f- f- figure out all this ranking sort of stuff, go check it out, tryrating.com. Torsten's got his uh, Kona rating report, which really explains things in more detail and, and also goes into who's sort of still on that bubble. And, yeah, that when we've got only got a couple more races uh, really to go in terms of Ironman races, so you've only got Copenhagen after the weekend, uh, this weekend coming up after that. You've only got Copenhagen for the boys and Sweden for the girls. There is lots of points on offer for the 70.3 athletes uh, or for, to top top up your points yep. with the, the World 70.3 champs and other 70.3 regional champs. But in terms of Ironmans, it's kind of done and dusted. So it's really just going to be a battle for those those final few slots. Good times. Well, it'll be interesting to see uh, you know who misses out in a few weeks from now. What, what's the sexual final cutoff date? Mid-August? Uh, August 21st. Okay. Um, okay, sponsor. Just got to give uh, endurance sports travel a bit of a plug. I'm sort of been working away getting my Kona prep ready for our, for our Kona camp that Bevan and I are going to be over there this year. If you're looking for any, going to any other races around the world this year, um, go check out endurance sports travel, especially for sold out races, championship races. You want to turn up and just get looked after. You don't have to worry about anything other than 
turning up, getting on your plane, arriving, and then just they'll take care of the rest in terms of bike mechanics, transport, looking after the family, food, etc. So check them out, Endurance Sports Travel. Okay, um, discussion of the week. So last week's discussion of the week is what should we expect from the pros at races? Let me pull up my little Facebook page, John Bo, and I'm sure you're doing the same thing right now. Yeah. So the whole idea is we kind of we kind of added to it as we went along, but the whole idea is that let me go well, and talk here. How, how can Ironman and the pros kind of work together to give pros a better, mate, just pump them up a little bit? Because the, the reason this topic came up was you know last. Uh, they've changed the rules so the lead biker is now behind the lead runner and it's like well that kind of sucks you want your when you want your crowd to know that the lead the, the lead athletes coming through and that's my kind of interpretation of you know what you should get out of that um lead bike so you know what what could they do to maybe improve the situation a little bit from and and get the pros the crowd involved and the pros getting the, the coverage they deserve. Okay, so Peter Mills, I honestly believe that pros don't grow this our sport. The governing body and age groupers do. I suppose their power files for the races, uh, if they get appearance fees, they should work for that by doing the charity stuff or Iron Kids medals. Outside of that, perhaps them some media work. WTC prize money doesn't justify much more than that. And then Mark Cathcart came along and said, Peter Mills, are you saying the sport doesn't need pros at all then? I agree that many of us get into triathlon having never heard of pros, but the first time you attend a big race with pros, you never went to listen to them. You never paid attention to them in the race. You didn't care about the results. You didn't care that the race got publicity due to the pros. And then Peter came back going, Mark, I just meant that pros don't draw me to register for an event. The quality of the race does. I think being a pro triathlete is a tough living. So it's a pretty interesting discussion. Absolutely, it's a tough living. Frank Houdini McVeigh, each pro has their own drone with cameras so they can be followed all day, unless it sounds a bit creepy, then whatever John says. I <laughs> like you, Frank. But that's, yeah, drones are going to be a thing, of, you know, going to come to reality real real soon on these this sort of stuff, aren't they? In terms of trying to be able to follow athletes, just got a bit of a safety issue. You don't want a drone landing on anybody. But, uh, yeah, nice idea, yeah. Frank. Yeah, well, the, I imagine you'd probably see music owner this year, wouldn't you? Yeah, but but for coverage for the TV show, mm. yeah, I, I, yeah, obviously, yeah. Remember, there was that it never actually came to fruition. It was more of a, an idea that never really happened. But that um, that drone that you threw in the year when you went running, you held and you ran, yeah, you know, and uh, so maybe they get pros through that. Hell of a lot cheaper than a helicopter. Yeah, yeah, well, helicopter industry must be really. Gutted mm. about drones, eh? Because yeah. in many ways it's killed its industry. Mm. Um, we've got Lucy Francis. I'm not sure what I'd like from the pros on race week. Some high fives on the run as they lap me would be <laughs> sufficient. Seriously, they have the same pressure as us age groupers. The logistics of the event, getting their bearings in a new location, the anxiety before a race. Contrary to what most of us amateurs think, the vast majority, 99.9% of them, get no help with shuttled to and from hotel race site, airport expo and race starts, etc., to expect them to promote WTC for free as well as a great race is unreasonable, I think. That'll be a question for you to go around asking pros this year in Kona Bevan is, is maybe not the Daniela Reef and people like that, but sort of the next tier down. I wonder if they do get anything to go and race many Ironman races. 
So I'd make appearance fees. Yeah, like Cam Brown absolutely would get looked after to come and do Ironman New Zealand. And, and, but it's and a win-win for Cam because yeah. it, it's, it's his branding, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. But what about the rest of the guys? Do they get helped out at all? So, you know, someone like a Dylan McNeese, you know, he's going to bring add value to uh, – I bet he gets looked after by challenge, but in terms of an Ironman New Zealand where he's not the, the big name, um, I wonder if those guys do get looked after at all. Obviously, they don't have to pay entry fees. You know, you sign up to the, the one fee for a one, year. one fee, and so you don't have to pay entries. Um, but I wonder if any of them do get much assistance these days. Anyway, Pete Githens, I'm always impressed with the pros' times that really don't have much expectation of WGC or the pros themselves. As an age grouper, it is difficult to identify with someone who can train all week. In fact, I'm, I loved hearing Macca's comments now that he coaches full-time about not knowing what he was talking about before he started working a regular job. Mm. Um, Laura Whip, the interviews are always tough as they are draining, but really the gold is what likens these guys to the age groupers. Earlier, um, excuse me, <coughs> early out, some shake out runs or some good group lead stretches are a great way to incorporate sponsors as well as shortening the gap between age groups and pros. Prize money is for their competition and how well they are doing in the actual event. Appearances and so forth really depend on the athlete and how much they want to grow their brand as well as their relationships with their sponsors and their community. I'd love to see some kind of pancake breakfast or foaming rolling uh, pre-race pre party with the pros mm. uh, Paul Dennett not sure what pros can give back it's a shame that Fredino is world record holder and Joe Skipper is US UK record holder um, were to walk down the street anyone who doesn't know or follow try wouldn't know who they are they as pros are doing all they can to be seen because it helps with sponsorship what the sport needs is a big media outlet to get involved and show more races. Mark Cathcart, uh, the accuracy of the pro lists for pro racing, time slits, um, moving speeds, gap distances and more. The era of ex-pros waffling on for hours with their random thoughts of what's happening in the race should be over now. Um, Brody Edge, you shouldn't expect too much in pros. How many other sports can I be trotting along next to world-class athletes? And then Travis Bentley has got real pros at the pre-race talk fest, not some nobody from the block. Mm. <laughs> yeah, so um, I kind of think, yeah, when you go to Kona, there is quite a few opportunities to meet some of the pros at their sponsors' booths and things like that. But I do kind of feel that there could be one opportunity. I suppose at the carbo-loading thing, they kind of sometimes do a little bit there with pros. Um, but I kind of think there maybe could be, you know, meet the, a bit more opportunity to do sort of meet the pros type thing pre-race at some stage, but certainly post-race, um, some sort of opportunity to try to mingle a little bit with the pros. Um, Kona's obviously a you know, gigantic race, but I don't know. I just think they could be doing more a little bit pre and post race and during the race I think they could do a lot more in terms of you know, lead bikers having some you know some races do really well with the hot spots but actually communicating to those commentators at the hot spots on what's actually going on in the race rather than going oh here we go here comes Cameron Brown uh, and then probably the final thing that really gets on my goat is yeah not having those accurate race start lists and emails going out about yeah, who's actually hard, racing. That's a hard one, isn't it? Is it? Well, I suppose, but it's a hard one. You, ring up, you, you ring up a pro. It's up to the pro, mm. I think, more than WTC. Mm. You know, like Mary Beth Ellis, or, or who was it, who's on two, two races this weekend, so a couple of pros are. Well, they probably need to let the brace organisers know 
look, hmm. I am actually going to be doing this race. Yeah. You know. But, and the one other thing that really does annoy me Here is post-race is Let you get out. these press releases come out and it's basically commentating what you could you could read off the results and there's just no, quote, no quotes or anything in there. I want to see Jan Verdino saying, yeah, I was suffering like a dog on um, the run and I had to do Challenge this. Challenge did a good job of that. Challenge did a good job of that. With coverage, their, their PR stuff was really good. Mm. They did have lots of quotes. Mm-hmm. No, I'm more pointing the finger at WTC. I'll give them some ups today, but I'll give them, give them their downs <laughs> the as well. On the way around. Uh, Pat on the back, slap on the face. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I want to I hear what's actually been going on. Rather than you just know what I, I find really interesting because someone made a comment about how you know wow well, you know and Ironman race is one of the only sports where you get to race with the pros on the day and it has been always one of the appealing things, but you don't actually even know what's happening in the race. Mm. You know maybe one thing that they could do for the age groupers is have some signboards out on the course mm. at certain points. You won't need many of them, but just have here's what's happening in the pro race. Mm. You know, because it is that thing, you know, like I do, you know, we all love the fact that when you're out there, you see Cam Brown running around, mm. but you never really know what's happening. And so, mm. and, and admittedly, the day's more about your own experience. But I think if they had just a couple of signposts, maybe two on the bike, two on the run, if you're doing a loop course, that would really well. And I just have an update of what's happening in the pro race because it keeps it. Good idea. Yeah. Especially in Kona. Like I, um, granted, I wasn't having a great day out there, but I was, you know, when I was running along, run slash walking along the Queen K, I was really interested to see what yeah. was what was going but on. But it's always a bit messy because you don't know, and on lap courses mm. you don't necessarily know, whereas if you kind of know, you know, so if anything, if, if this discussion has added one thing WTC can do is that's what we want to see is at races, you can just have a couple screens up along the course that age groupers can see what's happening with the pro race. Mm. And then, you know, later on day, what the final results were for the day. Okay, this week's discussion, John, this week's discussion is... What would you like to do to celebrate your birthday? <laughs> well, no, this is a, this is in a, in a triathlon context because uh, I had quite a few people talking to me about my birthday antics when I went a bit nut bar and basically trained for 12, 12, hour, 12 hours, 12 hours, 12 hours continuously. I'll tell you what, I definitely don't want to be doing that on my birthday. Yeah. What would you like to do to celebrate your birthday in a triathlon context? Well, maybe we can make this a double job okay. because I'm getting married. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm getting married. Really? And uh, pretty excited about that. And uh, SAGs do, right? I don't drink. Yeah. And I don't really care to go out strippers and crap. It's not really mm-hmm. my thing. So, Oh, man, you are. Yeah, I know. Well, it's just, I, went, I went to a strip bar with other guys, and it's a bit disappointing, to be honest. It was not. It doesn't do a lot for me. <laughs> and, 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 yeah, they almost kicked us out because we weren't responding to the girls. In the <laughs> 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 so we were talking to each other because we went to the strip bars a few years ago in Australia. It was my mate's my mate stags do. So we went to, yeah, because you go to a strip bar because that's what you meant to do. And it must have been a midweek day or something because the strip bar was empty pretty much. It was just us in the strip bar and the girls mm. up there dancing. And we're not giving her any attention. Any dollar we were bells. just having a conversation and stuff. And so they actually came up to us and said, oh, look, you know, can you give us some attention? So yeah. It was a bit odd, but um, it's not really my thing. So we, um, so I'm thinking for my stags too. Instead of getting just on the piss because I don't drink, to have some kind of cool experiences, you know, like mm. some some adventurous stuff. So maybe what we can tag on to here is a celebrate your birthday or or Bevan's stag. So what right. can Bevan's do for a stags do? Yeah, that would be a little. Now, admittedly, it's not my job to organise my stags, no. but we can send this link. Hundred one hundreds. Was that? 100 100s. 100 100s. Yeah, that'd, that'd be a great Or we could do the, the press-up challenge. How many yeah. press-ups can you do in an hour? We've seen that doesn't last very long for me. Yeah, yeah. Would I get 32 or something? No, but no, because no, the press-up challenge is you just got to do as many press-ups you can do in an hour. Mm. 
And so it started years ago. We did it that how many, how fast can you do a thousand press ups? And I think mm. I did like 36 minutes in my peak. But, um, you know, and you basically you can rest as much as you want. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, cool ideas for challenges that you can do at a time where you want to celebrate in your life, aka your 40th, like John. Yep. Or Bev Stags do. Right. God, Stags do. <laughs> I suggested to Joe, because I don't drink. I said, well, maybe I could do my Stags do the day before the wedding. Yeah. Um, because it's, it's not going to be a big, well, for me, it's not going to be a big piss up. Um, she was not keen on the idea. No. No. Because, I, you know, it's like with weddings, you're like everyone comes in from out of town. So having mm. stakes too early doesn't really work. Yeah. So I thought well, we could do it the night before, babe. She put the foot down on that one. I tell yeah. you. <laughs> I tell you, my stakes do, I, I think it's right up there with the worst I've ever felt in my life the next day. So what happened? What did they do to you? Oh, nothing, nothing, nothing crazy. But one, the one problem we had was I had. Some, they had some dice. Was it one dice or two dice? And that, it must have been one. Yeah. Uh, and every bar we went to, that got rolled, and that's how many shots he had to do. Ugh. And I, I hit like a four, five, or something oh. like that. The first couple of places, and that was shots. not good. Yeah. You would have gone burger because yeah, no. you'd be lightweight anyway, wouldn't yeah. you? Yeah. Oh, they call me Johnny the Kid, but uh, <laughs> Johnny the but Kid. No, I wouldn't say I'm. I'm not certainly no heavyweight. <laughs> how often do you drink? Oh, a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Well, no, was it elky? No, 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 regularly. But you drink like, but you're not like getting drunk, kind of. No, no, not very often getting drunk. But you like a glass of wine every night, don't you? Most nights. Or you getting cancer? Did you watch the news the other night? Meat. (laughs) Getting cancer. Getting cancer from them. Getting cancer from meat. Yeah. God, we're padding out a lot of shit today. Oh, it wasn't much in the show. I had to do something. Okay. Okay. Uh, So that's this week's discussion, Jumbo. Tip. Of the week, I think you've done this tip. I'm just going to do the first first one. Well, no, because. this week I sent out an email for our Kona camp and was sort of saying some of the things they need to, to get ready and uh, and I said, everybody, this is a mandatory, make sure you have a spare derailer hanger. And some people didn't even know what a derailer hanger was. Okay. <laughs> which is, which is, and I know there's a lot of people out there that don't know how to change puncture t- punctures and things like that. So your derailer hanger is what holds your rear derailer onto your frame it's a little metal piece and what a lot of people don't realize is it's quite unique to your bike it's not a standardized product so you want to make sure that you've got one especially if your bikes you know even a little bit old because you can't just go to a bike shop and go oh can i have a shimano rear derailleur hanger it's just really there's hundreds and hundreds of different sorts the difference between the derailleur and the hanger is the little hook that comes that's attached to the frame isn't yes it? Yeah. and that is and yeah. i've had that happen john that broke so have i yeah uh so, and that's and that's one piece piece of your bike that is relatively easy to get broken and tra- in transit and or not easy to replace chain comes off when you're out biking and yeah. stuff you know yeah so that's that's john's tip of the week make sure you have a spare derailleur hanger in your bike bag, it just stays there. So whenever you go travel with your bike, you've got a spare one if you need it. I think a heater just broke. Really? I did notice it was getting a bit chilly down here. It's not making any sound, is it? Oh, no, John. I can, I can, hear, it, I can hear it warming up outside. No. <laughs> no, your, your heat pump. I can oh. hear it. <laughs> it's great podcasting. We yeah. both just listen. Okay, Coaches Corner. There's quite a few races on at the moment that are sort of rolling to hilly courses. 
And so I keep going over this advice with lots of my athletes, so I thought I'd share it with uh, share it with you guys out okay. there because it's and, and also in light of the Tour de France, seeing how good Tour de France riders are at doing this, and how often seeing how poor triathletes are at doing this on rolling tally courses. Because look, at the end of the day, you hear lots of people talking about you know your, your variability index and, and your power profiles and all this sort of stuff, but the objective of the day is to get from the start of the bike ride to the end of the bike ride. Is the fastest, most efficient possible time that you can. And so, yes, a lot of that is power-related, but also it's about making sure you do the little small things right. And so this is a few things that I often see people doing very poorly, and in some cases very well. So obviously when you're coming into coming into a, a climb, whether it be a small or, or a, a long climb, you don't want your power to, to spike out of control. But often, I'm riding along behind people and they almost come to a bloody standstill at the start of a hill because they're so worried about their power spiking ever so slightly, they basically roll into the hill and almost stop pedaling just to keep their power uh, power down. You've got to carry your momentum into, into climbs. And I'm not saying you spike your effort, but if you're riding towards a climb, you come into the hill, you keep pedaling, you work your way through the gears. You don't want to be staring down at your power meter worrying if it's going to spike by 10 or 20 watts. Um, it happens all the time. You would have seen it when we do the bunch rides and stuff around here. Mm. You're going around the bays, and some people just they just, just about stop. Yeah. It's not going to take... Yeah, you're right, but the key is working through your gears. Yeah, and just you know. carrying your momentum, not spiking your effort, work through your gears, and then just build your way into the hill. So that's tip number one. Tip number two, that's more of a mental thing than anything, is making sure that you crest climbs well. And you'll see this in Tour de France. You'll see guys really putting in a big effort over the last 50 to 100 metres of a climb and then down the other side. And that's the key part of it, to make sure that you're not slackening off at the top of the climb. You put uh, in the last sort of 100 metres, you're pushing over the top and you're pushing really hard to get down the other side. Now, I'm not saying you spiking your power and, again, maxing out or anything, but so many people slow down there, the, the top part, over the top and down the other side, and that's going to cost you, you know, well, if, well, on well, a rolling well, what's climb. What's the right level, but Because, you know, because... There is the person who just spikes it too much. So what do you, you know, like if you're looking at FTP percentage of what kind of should you be? Well, it's not. It's more just about maintaining what you're doing. So again, so trying to say again, the same intensity. Yeah, you wouldn't be looking at your power meter on this. It's more just a conscious effort going. Okay, right. I'm in the last 50 to 100 meters of this climb. Let's not slacken off. Just keep the same sort of pressure on, and especially over the top, not slacking off. Going, oh, I'm at the top. It's time for recovery. It's push over the top. Get your speed up really quickly. And again, you wouldn't want to be looking down your power meter when you're coming over the top of a climb. Get your speed up, and then if it's a fairly steep descent, then then you can take take some recovery time. You do need to recover on downhills in Ironman racing, um, and and have a little bit of chill out time. So once you get above, you know, sort of 50k an hour pedaling, maybe maybe a little bit higher than 50, but then then it's time to actually start regrouping and recuperating a little bit. So yeah, those tops of the climbs are key, and probably just a couple of other little descending tips that I, I probably been over about a hundred times on the show, but sometimes people don't seem to listen. <laughs> and uh, and keep your inside foot up when you're coming into a corner and press down with your outside foot. That's the number one tip. Do not go around corners with your pedals at uh, horizontals. Make sure inside foot's up, outside foot's down, pressing down on the outside, and then try to lean your bike into it. Now, I do want to make a comment on the Tour de France because, as we were, you guys that watched will have seen, in those last few stages was a bit of rain and guys were coming off their bikes left, right and centre. And I can tell you the main reason for that was is... The road? 
was was the road because we'd ri- literally ridden through a number of those climbs um, the weeks before and the roads, some of them were brand new sealed and some of them were not even finished and so they would literally be about a week old, some of that seal and you get water on that nice um, smooth tar seal and paint and it would have been absolute nightmare and you we saw so many crashes so and those guys are living on the edge as well they were even going conservative and they were crashing really? that's how it was an it's ice a, rink it's like black ice here isn't it oh, it, it basically is yeah you, you see, saw chris Froome going over it was it was no fault he, he did hit the white line but another guy he was just going around the corner doing everything you're supposed to do and his wheels just came out from underneath him Ugh. and uh yeah it was a nightmare yeah, but like getting your drops, you like your drops for descending as well. Absolutely, there was guys on Epic Camp on their drops, and I'm like, "What are you doing? <laughs> Get on your drops! God damn it, you can't break very well." What are you? your drops, John? For those who don't know, so what in your drops, are. obviously, if it's you're on your road bike, if you're on a TT bike, that means nothing. But on your road bike, it's the bend, the bendy bits um, the down towards bit. the lower bits, so underneath your brakes. So then you just put your fingers out to pull your brakes. Do not descend on the top of your brake hoods. It is. You can do it, but it's, once you get used to being on the drops, it's so much more powerful. Well, I think it's safer as well, because I, I was just riding from home, going because I'm on the hill, going from home the other day, and I was just kind of, I wasn't in my drops because I was just going down the hill, and I had a bump, and I just about slipped, off mm. my, you know, because I wasn't gripping that tight on my, just on my brakes at the top there, and uh, when you tend to, when you're being in drops, you do tend to have a better grip as well, so it's actually mm. probably more secure and safe for you as well, so there you yeah, go. Absolutely. Okay, well, it's John's tips for getting faster in the rolling hilly course. Absolutely. You'll be on the Tour de France in no time. <laughs> we were watching, they were, they were going over a number of the climbs that we did, and they were going up uh, the Col de Colombier and the Rennies, which mean nothing to you, Bevan, but they mm. were two climbs that we did, and I had really good climbs on those two two days, and on that one day we did both of them, and watching it, Tom's run to the Tour de France now, and watching it, and I said, oh, I've done this one, Tom, and I know that part there, he goes, are they going, they're filming the, the autobus, are they going faster than you, they look like they're going pretty slow, they look like they're going slow, but I can guarantee they'll be a hell of a lot quicker than I was going at my maximum effort. Yeah. Uh, even the, the, those autobus guys are going pretty bloody fast, even though they don't look like it. What's autobus? Oh, that's the the the, 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 the the back group. They all sort of get together to make sure they don't get eliminated because of the cutoff times. Oh, okay. So there's like 40 of them all just, so they just uh, work together to get yeah. up there. Okay. Um, sponsor Extreme Endurance. You're like that buffer, it is, John. Yes, they've got their Fuel 5, which is five fuel sources. It's uh, basically their sports drink. Um, it's got a organic sweet potato, maltodextrin, dextrose, lactate, and sucrose. It's designed to give your body its preferred substrate uh, to promote glycogen synthesis. We have we did have a um, good old Rob give me more uh, on the camp, That's and good, Rob is a vegan. He eats every bloody vegetable and fruit in, in sight and is, is quite particular about what he has. And, mate, he was cranking the Extreme Endurance uh, Fuel 5 uh, on a daily basis and he was pulling himself off the canvas quite regularly and uh, loves it so it's really great to see we're getting you know, endorsements from athletes using it it's 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 not a, a, sh- a really full-on sugary flavour like you get from so many other sports drinks. It's sort of a, I'm not sure if they've got more than one flavour. The flavour I've had is, is sort of the, the mixed berry and it just, a bit like when I've talked about um, other products and stuff, I've, I've found it really beneficial in both training and racing to get away from that sugary stuff, especially 
early in the rides um, and it just makes you feel a lot more level-headed and just a bit more balanced and not that sort of frazzled sugar feeling all the way through races. So if you if you struggle with and you're trying to reduce your sugar intake a little bit um, and just be a bit more balanced, check it out, Fuel5, um, and remember to use your promo code IMTALK10. Good times. Um, okay, so... Uh, it's endurance check it out John 321 fantastic it's, it's fantastic. fantastic okay Daniela Reef has been Chrissy like in her dominance of the sport in the last period of time and it'll be very interesting to see in history who will become the greater athlete mm-hmm. um, history you know Chrissy came in dominated sport for about five years see you later I don't think Reef's going to be that person I think we'll see Reef 10 years from now still you know I think mm-hmm. she's you know Chrissy was well, Reef's a Reef's, uh, uh, a seasoned athlete. triathlete. Yeah. She's been around for a long time. Chris was a person who, who discovered a talent, mm. had a rounded life, wanted to do more with her life. Not saying that Daniela Reef doesn't want to, but you know, Daniela Reef definitely looks more like triathlete. So it'll be interesting in time who will go down as the greater athlete. Mm-hmm. Um, if Daniela Reef keeps on the trajectory she's on, we'll probably say she will, won't she? Yeah, she wins lots, lots more conas. So yeah. I, I guess. Um, this isn't really a status, I think, but I still wanted to just put it in the stats. It's a, it's multiple stats. Because I think a lot of us will be worried, thinking, well, she's doing two Ironman races in two weeks, crush both of them. That's just going to ruin her Kona, isn't it? It's, I think you know we would have said that in the past. So I remember I, I had a look back to 2014 when she finished second in Kona, and, and it took, what was it, two flipping 40-something rather by, oh, by yeah. um, Miranda Carfrey was, to, to win it. One of the greatest performances I've ever seen. Yeah, and so I look look back to what she did, what Daniela Reef did in 2014 um, when she debuted in Kona, and it wasn't drastically different to what she's been doing. There was more than a week gap, but she she really slammed in a lot of racing. So she did Ironman Zurich, um, which was obviously last weekend this year, which would have been similar timing in late July. But the day before, she had done 51.50, the Olympic distance, and crushed that. So she did that. And, and she then, won and Zurich as well? Won, won Zurich. Wow. And then, so that was late July. Then mid-August, she went off and did, uh, so it would have been, you know, a week or two later, went and did off the, the European 70.3 champs. And then late August, she doubled up and did Ironman Copenhagen. So it would have been, you know, maybe two to three weeks between her two Ironmans, plus she had a 70.3, plus an Olympic, and then she would have backed that up another week or two later um, with the 70.3 World Champs in Canada, which she also won. So all those races she won. So I wouldn't be overly concerned about Daniela Reef uh, still crushing it in Kona. I think the Zurich was not ideal, but I don't think it's going to be drastically detrimental for her. Well, I think... I think she- I just think as you were talking about that, wouldn't you love to be a coach of an athlete like that? Mm. You know, I remember to John Hellemans. I remember John Hellemans talking about his first athlete was Aaron Baker. Mm. <laughs> and he kind of thought, oh, this coaching is an easy job. You know, and then after mm. her, he got kind of some real athletes. And, um, you know, when you get that person who's just amazing. Just, yeah, just and, and so indestructible. Yeah, really. Like at this moment in time, Daniela Reef is is that, isn't she? She's mm. just she's just a beast of an athlete. And, uh, you know, to coach someone like that, but in some ways, is how do you manage coaching someone like that? Well, I think that's the thing that, that Brett Sutton really pointed out before, wrote, it's all about the enjoyment side of things. Obviously, recovery and all that's important, but, you know, the pressure seemed to be off her and wrote, just go out there and have fun. 
Yeah. And uh, and it sounded like she was out there having fun rather than racing to win or racing to qualify. And the enjoyment factor's got to got to be massive. So you know, and we've got to remember, pro athletes going to bounce back from this sort of stuff a lot quicker. They train a lot um, a lot harder than us. They're, yep. they're just a lot fitter, so they're going to bounce back quicker. But yeah, it's still an Ironman. It's still going to take it out of you. How, how old's Reef? Do you know how old she is? I'd be picking. Uh, I'd say she's mid thirties, early, oh, early mid thirties. You think mid thirties? I'd say thirty three, thirty four. So if she's that old, how many years do you reckon she's still got a peak? Probably four or five. Who knows? It's always the biological clock, often ticking for females. No, she's only twenty nine. Oh really? I'm surprised by that because she she raced ITU for quite a while. Yeah, so she's turned pro in two thousand and seven. Mm. So she's been a pro for coming up. Well, she's nine years now. Mm. So she's got a lot. So we could see her dominating the sport. She could be a, a, like a Paul Newby Fraser. Mm, absolutely. Wow. Because if she's only twenty nine, her peak years are still in front of her. Mm. She had, but her her athletic age is quite old, relatively speaking. You know? Yeah, but for endurance, mm. you know, we normally say early thirties, don't we? Mm. So we're thinking, you know, for females, it can be a little bit longer as well. Mm. So we're, we're probably thinking, far out, man. What an exciting career we've got to watch mm. in front of her. Hopefully she gets competition. You know, like, you know, that, that Rennie performance mm -hmm. was great. But, you know, you always want, it's, it's almost like we want Jan to have a, someone who's going to you know, really push him. You know, that's, that's where we want Gomez along, don't we? And Rennie had a great Austria, so she's, she's, not, she's by no means washed up. So, you know, if she comes off the bike 10, 15 minutes behind. John, I'm getting excited. We're going to be there. Getting excited, John. Mm. Oh, oh. Okay. Each group of the week. Okay, Ray Borman sent through this one. He's got John Humphreys. John is a hard-working athlete. He does the training as it is laid out, often with no deviation from the plan. While serving in East Timor, representing the New Zealand Army, he trained for Ironman Taupo, swimming in the Ambassador's 18-meter recreational pool, as there was no other pool in East Timor, and the sea is full of crocodiles. Imagine that. That'd be a good motivation, wouldn't it? It sucks swimming in an 18-meter pool. Yeah, because you're just turning all the time, aren't Yeah, you? it's better than nothing, but it would suck. Yeah. Have you done a 15-metre pool? At some some hotels have them. Yeah, I mean, I've some a couple of links. I've never done a session in one. I, I have. It's pretty pointless. Yeah. Uh, doing always biking and on a spin bike, as the road conditions are pretty desperate. At least he was able to run, train with the local Hesh House Harriers. Mm. Once he found Iron Man, he changed his life and gave up drinking and changed his diet. When returning from Taupo to East Timor, he found Bob Roll's book and knew straight away that he needed to do an Ultraman. A fortnight ago, he fulfilled his Ultraman dream, not only competing the race successfully, but he also won the military division Ultramate, which the Aussies had built up as the Bettislow Cup of the Ultra Distance Triathlon. <laughs> that is why I am nominating John Ultra Humps Humphrey for Age Grouper of the Week. Nice work. I do love the, you know, the, the, this sport does tend to attract some military people. And you do think some of the conditions they have to train in. You know, in some ways, imagine training for an Ironman on a spin bike. Yeah, and then you see those guys that are in the, the Navy and they're running laps of the, the ship, you know. Yeah. Like some those ships are some of those ships are pretty big. Though, though, like, areas, yeah. you know, five or six hundred meters to run a lap yeah. or something. Or, um, but no, it is pretty impressive. It's not something I'd want to do, but you take your hat off to the people that um, especially for have the Ultraman. The oh yeah, very uh, impressive. So I'm assuming that was Ultraman Australia um, that, good, yep. that John Wynn did, which was back in May time. So John Humphreys, nice work. You are our. Age group of the week. Love you working. Good work for fighting for the good cause. Okay, Jombo, my first. Oh, 
Well, I'm not putting any music on this week. Oh. I should have put music on, but oh well. Ready? Three, two, one. My, my first, first try. try. Okay, Peter. What was it? Gittins? Gittins? Uh, my first try was a sprint distance triathlon at the end of the Triathlon Novice Course run by a local triathlon club. That's a cool idea, isn't it? Yeah. The Triathlon Novice Course. Six of the boys from the group were having a go and competing against each other on the course. Swim. Went well. Came out of the water in front of the pack, of the middle pack, and first of the six on the course. Happy so far. T1. Swam in a pair of tri shorts and no shirt. Had a pre-pin my race number to my shirt that I would wear with small safety pins. Three of the port through four, four pins popped off the shirt as I put it on. That's not good, eh? Nice. So one pin's holding up. Spent a good two or three minutes trying to put find the pins, repin the tiny safety pins with shaky hands, and also try not to stab myself in the stomach. Meanwhile, I've been passed by half, five, half of the five guys from the novice course. Bike, three k's into the 20k course, first hairpin turn, bike went from under me on the turn. The rest, and this guy's done bullet points here, by yeah. the way, so this is great work. The rest of the five guys passed me, this sounds like a disaster, <laughs> did course teach you anything? Yeah. <laughs> Pretty sore, but got back on the bike and kept riding. Then noticed the fastening me mechanics, mechanics of my bike shoe strap was broken. Uh, I had a foot that wouldn't stay in the shoe any time, and I had to pull on the pedals. Also had stuffed the rear derailleur and got a total of two gears to use for the next 17 Ks. He probably didn't have a direct rear derailleur no. hanger. It was probably a bit bent. Yeah, it was probably a bit bent. If he had a spare one, he could have changed it right exactly. there. Exactly. Probably not likely, but still. T2, fine. But just a little bit angry. Yeah. <laughs> a run pulled out a 5K PB and overtook all but one of the novice crew. As it turns out, I must have injured my hip on the bike crash. I was in constant pain from the day afterwards. Sitting, standing, moving, it all hurt. After finally getting investigated, I'd end up with a glodal medius tendinopathy. Tendinopathy. Love uh, that word, tendinopathy. It's a big word. Yeah. Yep. Uh, which is obviously tendonitis of the glute medius. Um, it would be about 12 months before I could do my next try. I came through and that one unscathed. That sounds like a pretty disastrous first try. Well, I hope you've gone on to great things, Paul. <laughs> well, thanks for listening to the show. I'm thinking here's. Uh, so if you want to send through my first try, flick us an email. Yep, go, we'll go, go to imtalk.me and then... What are the lessons you take from Paul? Uh, hold on, just go to imtalk.me, submit content, and we've got my first try in there, and we also need more age groupers of the week. We know there's been lots of racing going on, so get some good age group nominations in. What do we take away from Paul? Um, there was more just gear stuff, wasn't it? Yeah. A little bit of preparation, probably just a little bit of preparation, a little bit of practice. Prep practice, prep practice. But there we go. you learn from all these things. It's, it's his first triathlon. It's just a little a beginner one. Um, so kind of learning on the fly is kind of cool as well. Yeah, the pin one's a bit of a pain in the butt. Mm. Yeah. Don't really use pins much anymore. We well, use a belt, do you? Race belts and stuff. Yeah. What happened to me? What happened to me in Rote? I couldn't get my jersey on. It's because it was wet. And did you have a, a full zip or what? Was going no, on? I couldn't do the zip up. That was a problem. Right. Yeah, that was it. Because you recommended the full zip, so I put the full yes. zip on. Because I think I was wearing the Iron Talk jersey. And, uh, and for the life of me, I couldn't get the zip going. Mm -hmm. And it was, literally took me. Five minutes. Which Cost you that nine hours. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Sponsor. com. Yep. Tell me about it. When I was doing my little research in today's show thinking, I was trying to figure out how many people are looking for some Vineman results. So now, if you've done Vineman in the past, 
Vineman website doesn't look appear to have all the past results on there. Oh, it may really? do somewhere, but in my, my first look, I was going, it's I want to see how many people did Vineman last year and the year before. Go on to Athlinks and it's all up there. So I guess the important thing is there is if you do a race, get it up on Athlinks because you never know when these races are going to disappear. And from what I can see, the Vineman results aren't easily findable somewhere. And I'm not being critical of you guys at Vineman, they may be somewhere that I couldn't quite see. Obviously, they, they may eventually get them up on the Ironman website, but save yourself the, the drama of losing your potential results and, and just get them up on Athlinks once uh, results are official. And, uh, and as we see, Ironman races come and go. You know, a lot of people are saying potentially that Ironman Whistler that was on at the weekend it may be the last one there or, or it's sort of starting to die a little bit of a death they added a 70.3 this year um, and word on the street is yeah it may or may not carry on and that's the same thing with with a number of the Ironman races in Canada I was talking to a guy I coach up there yesterday and if Whistler goes there's not any Iron Distance race, Ironman races left in Canada when a couple of years ago they had like three uh, so they had Mont Tremblant they had the one out at uh uh, Muskoka and also Whistler and then potentially there might not be any um, so oh, get, get your results up there but as I was saying to him there's so many races like he lives in Calgary and you go oh well, there's Ironman Vancouver but it's probably well, no, it is easier for him to go and do one on the, the east coast somewhere which is mm. only a couple of hours away so it's not like there's not going to be any races in Canada yes it's a bit sad but uh, there's still loads of iron distance races within a reasonable distance. So get all your results up on Athlinks because you never know when those uh, when those races might disappear. So check it out, athlinks.com. Okay, athlinks.com. Check, check, check it out. It's got one question now, it says John. Uh, Pete Githens has sent through and he said, uh, just uh, Calcutta. Last week we gave someone a hard time because they spelled it wrong. Turns out they spelled it right. Not to be nicky picky, okay. Yeah. Maybe a little nicky picky. I like nitpicky or nicky picky. I've called it nicky picky, but nitpicky. Yeah. Uh, but the official spelling of Calcutta in India is how it was spelled last time. So it's mm. K O L K A T A A. It was made official as of 2001. Nice. We were talking about me going racing my race in India, which was actually in Chennai, which used to be called something else. They changed all the bloody names in India. How long did you spend in India? Like, I know you had a disaster. Oh, a couple, of, couple of days. Yeah, no, Has you been to India since? No. Would you want to go to India? Yeah, I, w- well, I would like to, but it wouldn't be on my top of my list of places to go we, to. We're playing our next four years of holidays. So next year, yeah. we're doing Europe, because mm-hmm. it's honeymoon year. So Challenge right, Camp Kamaki yeah. car, get yeah. on it, people. Yeah. See? Then the year after that, we think we'll do the New York Marathon. Mm-hmm. So we'll, we'll think we might try to do a marathon in our Europe trip as a way to qualify Belinda, for... Belinda was trying to talk up at doing a half marathon somewhere. She was looking at the Vegas one, middle of the night. I did the middle of the night do that. Mm. And she says, so Vegas, the medals were, uh, the finishers' medals looked like they spun around the headlights on them and stuff. <laughs> when, 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 would that be, when would that be? It's, I think it's November, December time. Okay. So we were thinking of New York Marathon the year after that. Then mm-hmm. we're thinking intre- intrepid kind of thing for 2019. Mm-hmm. So do something. Although one of our friends, one thing they do is they hire a boat, they charter a big boat around Tonga, mm-hmm. and they just sail around Tonga for a couple of weeks. So we think mm-hmm. we might do that. But something intrepid, because we haven't really done an intrepid holiday, mm-hmm. and then the Olympics for 2020 in Japan. Oh, Tokyo, yeah. 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 Probably not real. Save up for that bad boy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's the thing. That would be a big cost. But yeah. I'd love to do an Olympics. Mm. And do it on a place like Japan would be quite cool. Mm. Um, we're in 24 Olympics. Have they announced it? Surely by now they would have. I think it's usually about eight years out that they do it. So 2024. 20, Paris Olympics. was going for it, wasn't it? Weren't they? Has it gone to Paris? 
Well, it was Madrid were going for it too. It was Paris and Madrid, I think it was Paris and Madrid sort of going out, going for it. No, it's LA. Oh no, no, no! It's, it hasn't been done yet. Mm. Bid news, twenty twenty four. Bid news. So Rome, LA would be pretty cool. But they have it all the time in LA, don't they? Mm. Uh, bid. Okay, so it looks like it'll go back to America. I'm sure. Yeah. So there you yeah. go. So, but yeah, we're going to Tokyo. But um, yeah, I've never really done the intrepid thing. Mm. So I would really love to do like an intrepid kind of. It's fun. Yeah, something slightly different. Especially for a cheap ass like you. Is it cheaper to do intrepid? Well, if you're going to go to India and places like that, mate, it's yeah. cheap as That's joy. what I like. That's yeah. what I like, Jombo. Mm. So, Jombo, just one other thing. One thing I do each week, which lots of people probably don't know about, is when I release this show, I send – we've got an email database. So, basically, I send out an email each week as soon as I release the show. And for many of you, you may want to be able to use that. So, just on the website, if you go to me and you want to see when the show gets kind of released, and I just send it out, and you can listen to it from the links that I put in, or you can just know that you can get it from your podcatcher. If you go to a website on the front page, just where it's got my book link, you can also buy my book, which is a great mm-hmm. idea, uh, but you can go get the show emailed to me, and you just put your name and your email address in there. All I'm doing is each week I just send out when I've released the show. So there's no spam. We don't really send you anything other than that. But if you are someone who would like to get that email to you, then just go there. I should say that kind of more often, but yeah, So because I think we've got to, thousand or so people who get emailed to them so yeah just you know that way if you want to get that done so anyway Fantastic. uh s- patrons john patrons why's my pages uh michael call me sir turner anthony camarelli 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 yes the squid express the merv lee hughes nice uh agent smackdown warren sutherland and llewellyn the Anvil Hartley. Nice, that the Anvil would have been from wrestling, eh? Mm-hmm. Oh, John, I love wrestling. Mm-hmm. I watched a good documentary on Netflix about Jake the Snake. Jake the Snake Roberts. It was really good because it was a total failure in life and what he was, turned his life around. What was his his woman's name? No, you're thinking of Rick, Ravish and Rick Rude. Am I? Yeah, Ravish and Rick Rude had the partner. Um, and Jake the Snake Roberts had one as well. And then there was Elizabeth was in the, man, the macho man Randy Savage. I know, Rivers and Rivers just put girls out of the crowd, yeah, eh? Yeah, No, the macho man Randy Savage had Elizabeth, Miss Elizabeth. Yeah. And then she, she went over the to Hulk Hogan or something. Yeah. And there was controversy there. What but are you going to do? Jake Snake McRoberts had, had a female on the side as well. Well, we don't even for a bit because he was mm. always the snake guy. Mm. Yeah. Oh, I love the wrestling. Bushwhackers. Oh. Because I love the wrestling. I still, the, the one thing I can every blue moon get caught up and waste a day of my life on, not a day, but a couple of hours, YouTube clips of old wrestling. Oh, John. <laughs> love that crap. Yeah. Okay. Um, sponsors? Athlinks.com. Social networking for endurance athletes. Extreme endurance. Galactic buffer. And our patrons. Patrons, you guys rock. If you want to be a patron, go dub dub dub. I am talk.me. Become a patron. And what we've discovered, everyone seems to email us. Their life works out way better when they become a patron. It does. One, one person won Lotto. They won the 40 million a couple of weeks ago. Yep. Yep. And another person got the promotion they were looking for. Um, we're like one of those religious people on American TV. Do you watch John Oliver? John Oliver did a no, great I piece. I do not. <laughs> they basically, these, these religious people on TV are basically sharks, really. Yeah. And they kind of abuse the poor people. And, um, for donations and they just promise that, or that your life's going to get better mm. and people who can't really afford it so that's what we are now <laughs> great <laughs> that dream you want team I, I feel a vision John I feel a vision <sighs> and uh, you become a patron your life someone's just better. spelt my name with an E on an email oh. Oh. you're going to get it 
You're going to get it. Oh, they are, yeah. they are out the back door. Uh and just one other thing in terms of our I Am Talk gear, the the the, the store is now closed. Um, but we will be doing. We're, we're planning to probably do sort of quarterly or two, two or three times a year do uh, do an order. So if you miss out this time, um, <coughs> there will be another opportunity to do that. And we may have some different items in there as well. Who knows? Um, but you guys that have ordered, the, the idea is now going to production and uh, hopefully be shipped in about sort of four or five weeks. But the gear is looking cool. I'm pretty excited about uh, about wearing it. It's looking good. We have it ready for Kona. I'm looking forward to it as well. I just prepared to start training again. I got a notebook cover too. You haven't got a notebook cover? They're pretty cool, aren't they? Got a notebook cover. Yeah. Got myself some gloves. Race going. What, what did I get? I got I got the jersey. You got, got a t-shirt. A, you got a hoodie. You got, and, and I took the discretion of uh, ordering you something else. I think. Oh, did you? Um, I'm surprised. You got a jersey, and I got. I think I got you a couple of socks. We've got to look apart. I got you a couple of pair of Iron Talk yeah, socks. Good stuff. Pretty excited about that, John. Thanks for the good, socks. Good, you appreciate it. I got, I get sponsored by Reebok, and uh, they give me a lot of clothes, John. Mm. Like no lies, in my wardrobe at home. Well, no, Joe's actually put boxes in the garage, and I have forty mm. pair of shoes I've never worn before. Oh, that'd be good spot prizes for me for my events. Just mm. them over, mm. hand them over. <laughs> Great. I kind of figure they're not going to sponsor me forever, mm. but I do love Reebok gear. Yeah. Get Reebok guys, it's a new, yeah. <laughs> it's a new thing. And they keep sending me clothes, and you said I got a package. <coughs> I had four pair of socks in there. I don't need new socks, but yeah. go Reebok. You guys yeah. rock. Rock yeah. Reebok. There you go. Rock Reebok team. Jombo, what's your goss? Uh, what's my goss? Um, back into the study routine. and What have you learned this week? Oh, and I've got a lecture t- today. So Tuesday, what's the most Tuesday's interesting you've learned recently? Um, we're just doing micronutrients. and just What are micronutrients, John? Wow. That's that's how you, know, you got to time it. You got your calcium, your phosphate, and all that sort of stuff. But just, just learning. Because there's macro and micro, isn't there? There is macro. Yes. Uh, I'll fill you in at the end of the course. What's a macro? I'll, sorry. Macro is your fats, yeah, your, your proteins, main. blah 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 blah. Uh, but I did learn that in my class. I looked over. I thought oh, I recognise that girl from somewhere, and. We got the fa- one of the fastest runners in Canterbury in my micronutrients class. She won't have a clue who I am. John, Google, don't, well, don't, don't undermine yourself. You know everyone <laughs> in Christchurch knows you. John's like bloody Brad Pitt in Christchurch too. He walks down the street, paparazzi She's everywhere. Putting the fender. Yeah. So oh, that, that was probably one thing that happened to me last week that was kind of interesting. I, I turned up to Polytech for my first um, class of the, the semester and I put my mountain bike and they've got a lock-up area where it's got this, um, it's under under one of the buildings and it's got this automatic door. You you put your card up and, uh, and the door swings open for you. It closes really fast. Oh, really? And so I was pulling in. I was a, I was on reasonable time. There was somebody else coming out as I was going in. So I just rolled straight in there and uh, didn't put my card up. You've got to use your card to get out as well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so because someone else has put their card in, you have to use your same card to get out, or is it? it just got to use your card to get in and out. So okay. there's no. So someone's coming out. I'm going in. I just sort of sneak in there, and you're when, cool. you, when you're coming out, you got to put your card back up, and the, and the door opens. Put my card up. <laughs> it doesn't open, and this, this <gasps> so is you're a, stuck inside this, this thing. This is in this basement, and there's no there's, there's some the emergency switch there. I'm pressing that. That's not opening the door. I'm like, <laughs> what the hell do I do? <laughs> and uh, and thankfully it had cell reception under there, yep. and so I googled the, the 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 contact number for the the polytech, and then I managed to find a security number and called the security. And from their bloody remote location, they managed to open it. But I was sitting there going. How am I going to get myself out of this one? There's no. I, I thought I'll wait a couple of minutes. Surely someone will come no, in. No, no 
And uh, so that was my exciting part. Remember the time on the show week. we got we, we put out the challenge for someone to lock your partner outside and the they house? Did it, yeah. And someone did it. It was great. <laughs> I love that moment. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the moment when you open the door and say, oh, it's for the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> so other than that, first round of the JD Duathlon's coming up this weekend um, for, for the season. So looking forward to that out at Ruapuna Raceway, which is where we do them all off-road, which is great. And... Just on some other events, uh, you guys know that I do in a bunch of other events. There's going to be some announcements coming out in the next week. Oh, so back it up. You Kiwis, look out. Is, is, is this to do with... Uh, oh, you wait till next week. Oh, John, but I'm impatient. Mm. You can't tease like that. I can. That's the whole, the whole wow. point. Because you know as soon as we're off, you're going to tell me. It's coming out on 1st first, first of August. Is, so it'll be news for next week. Next week's show's on the 2nd. Okay. What's my goss? Bevan, what's happening? Went to a, uh, one thing I'm trying to do, because we watch, Joe loves that program, My Kitchen Rules. Mm-hmm. So and it's just finished. And, uh, and It sucks when you get addicted to those programs. I, I can't stand those programs, but once you start watching them, you get addicted. You, they're, you they're like, I, I'll watch it. If, so she'll watch every episode, mm-hmm. and I'll tend to get maybe one or two in a week if I'm kind of around while she's watching them. Um, but, you know, they do their job. But... Um, but the re- recent series that was on New Zealand, two girls from Malaysia, I think, or some kind of Asian place, um, was were on, and they were very into their spices, mm. very, and everything. They were just chucking chilies and chilies, and, and they ended up winning the series, and, and mm. quite quite easily in the end. But and so I've been inspired to to broaden my horizon mm. when it comes to eating hotter food because I'm not into hot food. Now, John Newsom, you love your hot food, don't you? Not crazy hot, but I do like. A bit of temperature in there. You do like mm. a bit of heat. Mm. So, well, I, I I always go for no mild. Mm-hmm. If there's such a thing. Yeah. <laughs> Can I please have no mild? Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but at the same time, so, uh, a couple at the gym. There's a couple at gym. This Indian couple, uh, very successful business people. They own Tendori Palace. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Do you know them? Um, what's his name? Uh, Anup. Anup. How yeah. do you know? How do you I know don't him? know him, but Phil knows him. How's Phil know him? Uh, engineering their buildings and stuff. Oh, because he's yeah. pretty pretty successful, isn't it? Yeah. And uh, how did you get talking about him? How did you know that Phil knew him? Oh, we sometimes go there occasionally. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, because he owns that shop. He owns the whole shop there. Mm. Yeah, he's, he's, pretty, yeah. he's doing pretty well for himself. Yeah. But but totally nice man, really cool. And he's just, he likes to kind of share lots of cool kind of stuff with me as a business owner, which is always cool. So um, they've opened a new restaurant in town, which is a high-end kind mm-hmm. of, or, or classier. So mm-hmm. they've got Tandoori Palace, which is your kind of middle of the road, kind of yeah. takeaway, you know, nice. And then they've mm-hmm. gone for, it's called Mumbai Walla. Right, Mumbai Walla down yeah. Hereford Street. Hope you get a free meal for that plug there. Well, I got, I did get to go to the opening. Yeah. So at the opening, they were dishing out the food, but we thought, well, I want to support. You know, you got to yeah. support your people. So went out for dinner on Saturday night, and I thought I'm going to go a little bit spicier, John. Mm-hmm. Turns out what I what what I ordered wasn't that spicy, but I still had a sweat on. Yeah. Yeah. What about the next morning when you went to the toilet? I have to admit, there was a bit of a bit of warmth. Bit of warmth. Bit yeah. of warmth. Yeah. I don't think there was a burn factor. Yeah, but I am trying to broaden my horizon because for me, hot food just means hot, doesn't mean taste. Mm. But for I people love who it. love it, mm. you love it, don't you? Yeah, it's great. How often do you cook hot food yourself? Uh, we have a couple of times, maybe once once a week at least. What about the kids? Are they cool with the hot food? Uh, no, just pretty gentle with them. Yeah. Pretty gentle. Yeah. So, so I'm broadening my horizons. One other thing I will say, Bevan, that I'm doing this week is going to the the documentary sort of slash movie that you've talked about before with Phil Cogan when he rode around the Tour de France. Oh, where's the on this it? week? Uh, Isaac, oh, Isaac Royal. So this guy, Phil Cogan. Wait, what day is it on? 
Friday and Monday or something like that. It's part of a New Zealand film festival. Uh, so he went and Phil Kogan is a guy who hosts Amazing Race, yep. Kiwi. Yeah, everyone know him. Be, be, and very he, popular show. He went and replicated doing the Tour de France from back in the day. Because basically it was the first time a Kiwi did it from what I remember him mm. telling me. So, And I think it's a long lost relative of his as well. And they got the legit bikes... They got the legit gear, so they basically tried to replicate it as much as they could, and I'm going to find out more about it, but they basically rode it as those guys would ride it, and it's going to look... You, you've told us before that he absolutely smoked himself, but it's, it looks like it's going to be a lot of fun like watching. Because he's a pretty decent athlete. He must have been, because that's epic. You're saying, I think one day... Now, you'll know more from me after seeing the documentary, because I haven't actually seen it yet, but... Um, because when I was working with him, my mate Phil, yeah. uh, when we were working together, he was saying that one day, I think it took him 23 hours. Oh, they had like, I would say it's even more than that. The stages were three, 400 Ks sort yeah. of thing. So it's going to be interesting. I'll let you know what it's like Well, I might try to get along. Are you going Friday? Yep. Because <coughs> when I was in Auckland a few weeks ago or a couple of months ago, they had at the big theatre, I can't remember what's, what's the, uh, the, the big theatre in, in Auckland, well, they had Michael Moore's latest documentary, which I highly recommend. Now, Michael Moore, for those people, he's a, he's a polarising character on political side of things, but there's a documentary, um, his latest one, I can't remember what it was called, but it was basically just going around the world, so looking at the... You know, because he's done that gun one, he's done political ones, and lots of people don't necessarily like Michael Moore. But but one, this documentary was absolutely brilliant because what mm. he basically did is he went around the world and he he looked at each country which had the best of anything. Mm. So which country had the best educational system? Which country had the best criminal system? Which case? Mm. And, and so he's basically just saying, um, for America, what I want to do is I want to steal all the great ideas from all the great countries. Mm. And so he just goes into each country and he just investigated. Why is it your country has the best education? Why is mm. it your country has the best health? Why is it? And, um, and it was a great documentary, but they had it at the big theatre and in, in the big oh, yeah. kind of theatre like the Theatre Royal. And it was mm. really awesome to be in one of those big theatres, you know, like mm. the old school, you know, and to actually watch a movie in that experience. So I imagine it would be pretty cool to do that. So I'm, 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 well, Friday I'm doing it. Sounds good. We're also on Friday. We're going to go see Wedding Update. Sunday, sure. Friday. Sunday, Friday, Wedding Update. Uh, the invites yeah. are, are, are almost set in stone. So I am taught anybody who's been listening to the show for 10 years, you, you're, you're invited. You're invited. Yeah. Yep, we're inviting everyone, John. Yep, and come yeah. along. Great. We are actually having an aspect of our day which is a bit like that because yeah. we're kind of, because our lives are very public, mm -hmm. um, we have that problem of what's the crossover because mm. actually we're, we're going to have 100 people for our wedding mm. and that 100 people actually, it was actually really easy. We had no one we really felt we had to cull. Nice. But then as people who spend a lot of time with lots of people, you know, through mm. our business, through working at mm -hmm. gym and stuff like that, we wanted to have an aspect of the day where kind of anyone can come along to. Yep. So for the, what we're going to do is for the ceremony, that's kind of going to be open invitation that anyone can kind of come to that. Nice. And then and we're actually going to get our photos done before. Yep. So so then we'll have our ceremony, yep. have drinks, hang around with people for like an hour or so, and then we'll go on to where people who are officially invited to come along. So it's kind of going to be that, you know what, if you want to come along, you can come along mm. kind of thing. Um, so I am talk, you're all invited to As wedding. long as you wear I'm talk gear. That's right. You, I want those socks. Yes. You've got to have the new gear. I don't want your old crap, Murray. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but then uh, the invites are set. And the invites are important, aren't they, John? Yeah. yeah, yeah because yeah. people make judgments on you based yeah. on your invites. Yeah. You do some cheap warehouse ones. Yeah. No. But Joe, the designer, she's been working hard on that. <laughs> and then uh, on Friday, on Funday Friday, we're going back out to the venue, have yeah. a meeting again. So yeah. it's, it's all happening, John. What's the venue? Clearwater. Is that, is that Clearwater. Okay, yep. nice. Yep, yep, yep. So it's, um, it's all happening, John. Wicked. Yeah, very exciting. Exciting times. Wedding, it's what, what, six months? 
six months in oh no about seven months so yeah you're on budget I think yeah Joe's yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. parents <laughs> have given us a bit of money which helps yeah <laughs> parents yeah. have given us a bit of money so yeah. that helps I think I think it's going to cost us about 15 grand it's pretty it costs us well, you know, so parents oh, yeah, yeah. giving us money as well okay so I think it's going to cost us and that's including her ring yeah so maybe maybe a little bit more so I think that's probably that's probably about right nowadays isn't it yeah, you know, parents. You know, I had a friend. I had a friend. This is no lies, and this is this would be fifteen years ago. I had a friend who spent hundred k. That's ridiculous. Now, admittedly, I think his parents paid the hundred k. Yeah, yeah. Hundred k. Crazy. I hope they're still married. I don't know. He's kind of one of those guys who was a friend for a period and then yeah, yeah. left it. And it was before Facebook, so I don't know yeah. what he's doing. They they had the horse and carriage. Like they went <laughs> all sake. out. You know, the horse and carriage. Like that was all oh, out. So there you go. Good so times. Okay. I this show doesn't pay enough. More patrons, no. please. Patrons. We've got to pay for Bevan's wedding. <laughs> okay, guys. I'm Russ. I'm Eno. Train hard. Train smart. Kick hard.